you're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. So I think that we just need to put it all out there because there is a Teen Wolf cast member about to put it all out there. <laughs> Tyler Posey has started an OnlyFans. Uh, yes or no, do we think it's going to be Nakey? Like, what's the over-under on the Nakey here? I strongly suspect that it will be Nakey. Full Nakey? He's yeah. already pretty Nakey on Instagram, though, so I don't know. Um, yeah, he just seems to kind of love himself and feel no shame. <laughs> I so, wish, man. Yeah, um, I wish that were a relatable feeling. Like, Tyler Posey's internet presence uh, is incredibly unhinged. <laughs> so a bunch of people, like, sent me this this morning, um, presumably with the intention that I would talk about it on the pod. Um, and I was like, hmm, I guess I wasn't expecting that, but it sounds about right. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny because I feel like Teen Wolf was always a sexy sh- a- a sexy show. Yeah. Um, and like Tyler Posey as an internet presence is very sexy. It's not like he had to transition from like Disney teen to like real adult. He just, he just puts it all out there. <laughs> no, I guess the other example we have is Bella Thorne, <laughs> which incredibly ungraceful transition between Disney stardom and, um, a real scammer. Yeah, what a real I scammer. I she she really did the the nice sex workers of OnlyFans a real disservice. My favorite part of that whole saga was her apology, where she basically was like, "You can't be mad at me because I made a porno film." That did I, she? She wasn't in it, but she like directed like an adult film because she wants <laughs> to destigmatize sex work, which is noble. Um, but girl. Okay, if you want to destigmatize sex work, you need to work towards the correct channels that will go toward decriminalizing it. Yeah, uh, that's step one. Yeah, that's step one. Step step one is not messing up a platform where a lot of sex workers host their content. <laughs> True. Um, I don't know. I feel like the OnlyFans might be a combination between Nakey and him playing his unplugged electric guitar. Well, maybe he'll plug it in for the OnlyFans. <laughs> Just not for the reunion. Yeah. Um, I mean, also there just might be, because uh, I, I the, the thing is he might actually just be using OnlyFans for like its quote unquote intended purpose, which is basically like a Patreon. It might just be like a for his fans thing. It's, I don't know. I don't, we're sitting here being like, oh my God, Tyler Posey's <laughs> transitioning into sex work. He might not be at all. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong if he did that. It'd be a really weird career move though. <laughs> Although, wait, do you remember, like, the early 2000s when, like, having a sex tape was, like, weirdly a career move? How Kim Kardashian... Actually, no, I'm sorry. Kris Jenner has never let us forget it. No. I actually don't blame uh, Kim for that one, but... No. Yeah. Um, I actually would love to read an article on, like, when OnlyFans started to transition, like, into being known for... Yeah, interesting. ...sex work, because... Yeah, it's it's supposed to be kind of a Patreon thing. It's kind of like Cameo, yeah, sort of. a but, little bit. Uh, with room for explicit content. We support it. <laughs> yeah, we do. I'm interested in the Again, though, I just evolution. think it'd be a really weird transition for, for Tyler Posey. Um, he like, has if you're strapped out. for cash, just do SpawnCon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the rest of us. Yeah. The rest of us. The rest, the rest of, of you people. The rest of you people. Um, yeah, I, I knew that, that we were going to have to start with that just because I'm sure everybody is a buzz about it. Certainly, the, the, everybody, 
on the Teen Wolf Twitter sphere was talking about it. Um, it also reminded me that um, Tyler Posey is only two years older than me, and I'm like, I does not compute. Cannot relate. That yeah, really never. It's so funny because I feel like when I was watching Teen Wolf, my brain was like, "Well, they must be so much older than me because that's how teen shows work." Mm -hmm. Is that it's always like thirty year olds? But no, they were like so close to my age doing that. Yeah, very weird. We could have gone to high school together. Like that's wild. Yeah, really. Um, it's just I mean crazy where people end. Also, here's the thing: what can't happen in 2020? I'm going to need you to take that back, walk it back, like, right no, now. No, 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 no. I'm not saying it can't get worse, because that is, uh, at this point, a, if you a, say a guarantee. That. Yeah, anybody who said that, I'm just saying, what can't happen, you know? Yeah. Some real crazy shit has happened. What couldn't, you know? I guess the message there is live your dreams in 2020. I think the message there is, like, fuck it, do what you want. Like, just mm -hmm. do it. Like, nothing matters anymore. Just do the fuck what you want. The fuck this shit, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly, I feel like that has been the most inspiring way we've done our cold open in a while. Mostly it's just been like despair, but now it's like full like nihilism. Um, but, the, but like the good kind. Yeah. Not the, I'm so sad, nothing matters. It's like, nothing matters. So go, pew, pew, pew. go nuts. Once you've reached the finger gun stage, you've know, you know you've like crossed over into a new, a new era. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Anyway, this is the Teen Wolf Rewolf podcast, a podcast where sometimes we talk about OnlyFans. Today we're going to talk about the penultimate <laughs> episode of season 3A of Teen Wolf, and it's called Alpha Pack. I'm very, very excited for this one. This was such a good episode. It was, and you know why? Because it was written by Jeff Davis and Angela Harvey and directed by our good friend Tim Andrew. The directing was a, a really high point in this episode. Yeah, I agree. Um, I feel like we have to thank Angela Harvey for a lot of really wonderful things that have happened this season because does she stick time, around for next season or for not for next season? I I assume she's there for three B. I think so. I'd have to I'd have to take a look, but but yeah. season four, I guess. I love I mean. her. I don't know her, Angela. Come on the podcast, Angela. Yeah. <laughs> do not do, do not no. care about the cast. Have so many questions for Tim Andrew Russell McGahey and Angela. D What's her last name? Uh, Angela Harvey. Harvey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have questions. My brain went to to Davis because I was thinking Jeff Davis. Um, yeah, so many questions. Um, before we get into those questions, before we talk about this episode, we're gonna have to do the recap. Which, uh, not this episode happens in like what four hours? Yeah. Also, I, there. This is a very like well structured episode. I had very few. I there was no point where I was like, "Wait, what just happened?" It's extremely well paced as well, which helps with uh, retention. But I'm sitting here being like, "This is gonna be a breeze," and you know what? It never is. Never is. I still wrote down notes because every time I say it's gonna be a breeze, I say uh, uh for the first ten seconds. Yeah, yeah. So, um, are you ready for your one minute recap? Your sixty second recap. Yes. Okay. Three, two, one, go. So we start with Styles slapping Derek awake in the elevator, and he explains that Scott left with Deucalion and that Melissa is gone with uh, Jennifer. And then Peter dips when he sees the Argents, and then everybody plays catch up. And then Styles sees Scott's dad. We don't know his, his dad yet. And Argent is written on the elevator, so we know that he's going to be the next sacrifice. And then Isaac lectures Derek, and he's like right about everything. And then 
Uh, they figure out that like Arjun's going to be the next one, and they start scheming. And then uh, Derek takes away Cora's pain, and then Styles, uh, and then Isaac rolls up to help them too. And then Peter tells Derek that he could save Cora by giving her his power and not being an alpha anymore. And then Chris locks Isaac and Allison in the bank, and then goes with Jennifer himself because he knows it's like inevitable or whatever. And then Styles and Lydia brainstorm, and then uh, uh, Peter is once again the only one with a brain, and like he's explaining that Derek got completely played again. Um, Isaac, uh, da, 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 da. Isaac tells Styles about Argent, and then he has the, the panic attack, and then the city a kiss, and then Jennifer talks to the hostages, and then Deaton picks Styles up from school, and they play Dunk Tank. <laughs> that was uh... I had a real my brain. I was reading it off the paper, and my brain was like, "No, I can't read." Yeah, I had a giant. Fake. I remember when I was like, "Yeah, I knew this was going to be a breeze," and I set myself up for failure. It, I truly, it's not like there's that much that happened. I was just like, um, I'm dumb. No, but there's like minutia that's important. No, but none of the minutia yeah. I brought up had anything to do with anything. I, like, I think you're just going to breeze through the plot and actually catch the people up. Whereas everyone else is just listening to me trip and fall. Uh, I tried to write down the highlights. So let's see. Okay. So on your mark, mm-hmm. get set, go. Okay, so we pick up where we left off at the hospital and everybody's just trying to get away because the authorities are showing up and this tall man who we don't know who he is comes in to uh, question Styles and they seem to know each other. Um, Derek and Peter are back in the loft trying to save Cora after Isaac storms out um, and the Argents and Isaac are trying to figure out the next sacrifice with Styles. Um, Chris lets himself be taken when they go to the Tuluric current place. Um, Styles goes back to school with Leah um, and has a panic attack and a kiss and then um, there's more questioning and then Lydia and Styles try to and Morel figure out that it's the Manamaton. Morel is being chased by the werewolves. Um, she reveals that Deaton killed Ennis. Um, parent, the parents are in the cellar. Scott uh, comes back to Deaton to try and find the Nematon. They agree to be sacrifices. Um, Derek decides to give up his alpha powers to save Korra. I feel like there's a bunch of things that I missed. But that was the end of my thought. My oh, train of I, thought. I mean, I think you got everything and you did it in 45 <laughs> seconds, whereas I just like sputtered. There were There were things that I missed, though. It's fine. I feel like I don't. I, uh, well, I didn't notice you missing anything significant, but I also failed so incredibly that like. Oh, I mean, Peter's being a manipulative bastard. That was kind of the only. I, I love have him. Peter really is the only person with a brain <laughs> on this show. Everyone else is working with like three quarters of a tank. Yeah, like he's not. Like everybody in the show wakes up and has like a little bit of stupid juice, and yeah. Peter's like, "I'll just have coffee, thank you." Yeah. Him and Lydia. Yeah. Which is why game recognized game. Yeah. In oh. that one moment. Well, no, it's not game recognized game. It's that he's no, the, it's like <laughs> one who fucking almost murdered her. Yeah, but I also. But I do like that they acknowledge that because uh, given what I know about Teen Wolf, they might not have. They might never have. Yeah. He might have just opened the door and been like, hi, Peter, what's up? But he probably almost certainly picked her because she is the one who doesn't drink stupid juice. Yeah. Um, no, he picked her because she's a banshee. Right. <laughs> but we didn't know that. Um, yeah, this episode, fantastic. It is these two final episodes and then like things like Moto California and then like the first, the opening episode of season three B and then like riddled and stuff where you're like, that is why you fucking watch Teen Wolf. Cinema. It is so good. Mm -hmm. It is so good. Some of the directing is so good. Uh, I am excited to talk about it and we're talking about it through the theme of power and also vulnerability and how the two relate Yes. Um, there's a big exchange of power for all of our wolf friends in this uh, episode. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a really good way to set up the finale of this series. 
This is a really sort of perfect penultimate episode. It just feels like everything is just meant to fall in place afterwards. Yeah. And I would say that a lot of the things that we were kind of frustrated with in previous episodes, um, start to make sense, which does not excuse the complaints that we had. No, but the show is bad, (laughs) but because, um, certain things like, because we now know why we had to sit through an entire episode about young Derek. Um, you're like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. We earned that reveal. So I think we may have stepped on toes <laughs> with that episode. <laughs> I think people actually like that episode and we were, but when are we not the contrarians of, of the Teen Wolf fandom? I, we, we are who we are. Yeah, you're right. And I, I live on disagreeing <laughs> with people. So, um, yeah, no, I just, I think it's every, everything that you want out of this episode is, served you know Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of action which is wonderful there's Mm -hmm. really not a single fight scene with the exception of like styles and Derek, like styles punching Derek awake and then like a little bit with the alphas and morel um so it's not overly action-packed there's nothing that feels overly distracting we get really big emotional moments from characters that aren't often served that Mm -hmm. sheriff isaac's monologue at the beginning um all good and we get the best ships in Teen Wolf out there on display which is mm. Alisac and Cydia. I hate that ship name more I hate than it anything. too much. I do I, I too much. I hate it too also. Uh I do wish I mean the Teen Wolf writers were brave enough to put Scott somewhere in that mix. <laughs> Scott McCall has two hands. Two perfectly good I, hands. I think the Isaac Allison Scott thruple would have changed television. Yeah. Particularly because Scott and Isaac just love each other. It would just they have do. been love all around. So much love. Yeah. No love triangles needed. No. There's never, although smart of them to never actually do a love triangle. Like Scott is sort of angry with Isaac for getting with Allison in the next season. Like he mm-hmm. throws him against a wall. But it's like acknowledged by Isaac that maybe he deserved that. Yeah. Um, and also like, it's not like Scott's like, you can't be together. He's just like, you're just going to be hurting a little <laughs> bit because of it. Yeah. Um, um, well, it, and he even like, he says to Isaac and Allison, like, it's okay. Yeah. It's and in he this episode. It. Yes. Um, so gushing just about, uh, honestly, like we talked, what was the episode that we really hated a couple, a little bit ago that wasn't the Derek episode? It was like two episodes ago. We like couldn't stomach how bad it was. Uh, is that the one with the piano at the end or when oh, she tries to kill Lydia? N- no, that was last episode. No. We, no, last no. episode. Was, oh, it was in the hospital. Yeah, mm-hmm. actually you're right. It was, it was the one where she tries to kill Lydia. That sucked. <laughs> <laughs> My point is that like Teen Wolf is a bad boyfriend. It's like there's so much shitty things, but then it'll come back and be like, "But I'm I love you." I know, and you know, it makes me crazy because when things start to fall into place, I'm like, "Oh, you did plan. Mm -hmm. You plotted out the show. I'm sure you had a show bible. I'm sure that you did all of this work. Why is it not evident in every episode?" episode? Yeah, yeah. I know you can do it. Truly, you'll be like. Teen Wolf, that was horrible. I feel like I was, my, you know, attention was wasted. And Teen Wolf was like, I'm sorry you feel upset. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry that your feelings feel hurt. Yeah. Um, There are also two particular moments in this particular episode where I'm like, if you had just not said that one thing. Oh, yeah. It would have been perfect. Teen Wolf just 
will we'll just ruin its own party. 98% good, though. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about a th- our theme a little bit. We'll definitely probably touch on, you know, the rest of the Teen Wolfisms as we go on. Mm-hmm. Um, who do you want to start with? Um, I think it kind of makes sense to go chronologically okay, at this yeah. point. Yeah. Um, just because of the way that the episode unfolds. Uh-huh. Um, to talk about Chris first. Yeah. Because kind of the whole series or this whole season we've known that he knows more about what's going on Mm -hmm. than he tells anyone yeah and at the beginning of this episode it kind of seems like he is willing to uh bring allison and also styles which is i think the first time that we see them all work the two of them working together which is interesting um like into his inner circle Mm -hmm. and uh then gives it all up and he lets himself be taken no what's so brilliant is that Chris, known Ravenclaw, lets them think that they're going to be in on something. Sure. Just mm-hmm. so that he can give them the information that he is the one next one to be taken, so that he can, you know, in his kidnapping, can give them whatever clues they're going to need, but also, like, does just enough so that they don't try to stop it. Yeah, because he knows that if that conversation had happened in their apartment, mm-hmm. that they would never have let him go to the bank, or they would have tried their damnedest to stop him. Yeah from going Mm -hmm. um and i think which would have prevented the movement of the rest of the episode like absolutely chris is so smart well it's one of those things where um i know we have talked about the fact that chris is not the most um is not the character with the strongest moral center no which i don't even care about that so well but the thing is uh, i think he has an understanding of like duty yeah and what needs to happen for um everybody else to succeed. Yes. And he's willing to put himself on the line to make that happen, which is admirable. Yeah. Um, and he, he, he throws his gun to the ground. He does. He doesn't so much, you know, power isn't taken from him and it's not so much of a sacrifice as it is maybe a surrender Mm -hmm. or he, you know, relinquishes his power in that moment. Um, he then later regrets it a little bit because he doesn't have any of his, you know, tiny <laughs> knives he's covered with to go get out of the ropes and the nematon. Um, I'm, a, I, I'm a little confused as to what his end game was. Was it to get there to, to save Melissa and the sheriff? I think that might have been a hope. Mm-hmm. But I also think he's mm, smart enough and steeped in lore enough to understand that like something big needs to happen to keep them from being sacrificed. So he might not know necessarily what it is, but I think like maybe he wants to have the proximity to Jennifer. Mm-hmm. Maybe he wants to be there to save the parents. I don't know. Yeah. It did. The fact that they were, um, this is not about the theme at all, but the fact that they were just talking about all of the places where his weapons were robbed me of my favorite trope, which is when the person just keeps pulling Pulling, weapons out of the most impossible places. places. And the best example of that is parts of the Caribbean three, but, um, nobody has seen (laughs) past the second movie. I you just need to watch the, the first. first 10 minutes. You just need to watch the first 10 minutes. Okay, she pulls I, like a bazooka out of her ass. It's that's great. I, <laughs> it's so good. Um, okay. Anyway, uh, but he still, um, ultimately like, he does have that little, uh, little bat current. I don't know. His sonic emitter. Echolocator. Yeah. His sonic for the bat. His bat signal. His bat children. Um, um, yeah, I, what I think is so smart about... I think Chris views power in the most intelligent way in the show. I think 
you know, we have, we have people like Derek and Peter who are selfish in power. Scott, who is almost intimidated by it, like uses it in the most correct way, but is sort of unimpressed by what it does for him. His goal is never to obtain more power. Yeah. And he never wants to have power over anybody where I think that Chris is the person who most understands that like all status is exchange Mm -hmm. and he's able to play into other people's obsession with power like Jennifer's or whatever to meet and a different goal. He's, yeah. He's very um like unabashed about lowering his his status to help others. Yeah, it's not a shameful thing that he was taken. Um I I do think that this is a, a very played out metaphor and we don't necessarily need to use it anymore, but like Chris understands that they're playing chess. Yeah. And sometimes when you play chess you have to sacrifice things. Yeah. Have sacrifice. Mm-hmm. But like that is there is a reason why chess is used all the time as a metaphor for power and the exchange of power and what you give up to gain another square. Yeah. Um, I agree. Um, I don't know if we have to, 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 I don't know if I have much more to say about Chris until we sort of move on to the other people in the episode. Do you want to, do you have anybody else you want to talk about or anything else you want us to talk about Chris? Uh, not particularly who, who's on your mind next? Styles, who is mm-hmm. somebody who is completely without power in this episode. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting because Styles has kind of been without power for the last couple of episodes. Um, and it's, it's been very, it's been a sort of deteriorating issue to the point where it actually then like basically inhibits him from functioning. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has the panic attack in the school, which don't mm. ever like kiss somebody who's having a panic attack that will not fix it but oh my god the stadia of it all we'll get there in a second yeah but styles is not only um at a, an abject loss of power he also doesn't have scott who is sort of his you know basically his his backup generator in in his 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 power you know he doesn't even mm-hmm. have anything that supports him um which is an incredibly sad place to be for him um, and he's still styles, you know, he's still pulling out all of the schmarmy, stark, snarky, like sarcastic hoopla with, um, Scott's dad, Raphael. Mm-hmm. Um, but really can't show that to anybody else at this point, which is why he's so weak around Lydia is because it's like, he can't hold, hold face, uh, anymore. Yeah. He has nothing left. Yeah. He has run out. He's no longer the person with all the information. He's no longer the person with the enforcer behind him all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and Styles often acts with impunity, like he can get away with things because he has that backup. And he does not mm-hmm. anymore, like you said. It is interesting, though, that he is paired with Lydia through this episode for more than just shipping reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, because what Styles always has is sort of his power of information. And this episode, it's Lydia who has it. And it's like by her gift, obviously. And they have to do some deducing together to figure out that the where they are is the nematon, mm-hmm. which is like Lydia always knew that it was coming. There was just you know she always knew, which is kind of reflexive of what is you know sheriff's monologue is. It's like even when you didn't know, you you always knew. Yeah. Um, what I do like about the pairing, just not not just the fact that I like the pairing, but um. Styles is admitting 
that he needs help. And he's also kind of the only person to think of Lydia. Like they were all, they were not all there, but they all like know what happened to her Mm -hmm. and they all understand that she has some sort of like supernatural ability. But like Chris is so wrapped up in his own plan. Allison's very concerned about what's going on with her dad and Isaac will follow them anywhere. So like Styles is the only person to think of Lydia and to bring her in. And that I think is frustrating for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, and it's, it's, it's something that we're going to keep sort of seeing throughout the, the next couple of seasons until they, they are actually finally end game where there's going to be moments where styles and Lydia can only have each other to lean on. Um, and this is uh, such a big part of that. Mm-hmm. And just, I th- I'm allowed to talk about it on my podcast. <laughs> I ship Stidia so hard. OTP, like this, the fact that they did this and then kept that slow burn going as I think incredibly intelligent. I think, mm-hmm. I think it is so captivating. It's like when, like when characters get together, you're like, well, why am I still watching? <laughs> oh, the minute that um, Booth and Bones kissed on Bones. I was like, bye. Yeah. I'm done. That was all I needed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And this kiss feels earned. So earned. And it's so actually perfect that it doesn't happen again. It's so much better that this is just sort of a, a moment of like, just I need you to be there or just I need to be there for you. Mm-hmm. Which is how humans are like that. You can have like incredibly intimate moments with just like your friends or whatever. And it doesn't change anything about your relationship. It's just how you need them in that moment, which is why it's, it's so smart. And that song that's playing, um, it's called start of time. It's by Gabrielle something. I can look it up. Um, they are both so panicked in that scene. I mean, like styles is literally having a panic attack. Um, and We know that Lydia really cares about him. That is super obvious. And I think any person who has like seen someone that they love and care about, like be seriously in pain, you would do anything, anything, anything to fix that. Yeah. And it just so happened to be. Do not kiss somebody while they're having a panic attack. Everything about the science is wrong and you Mm -hmm. need to ask people who are having panic attacks what they need from you. Do not presume. Uh, By the way, that song is called Start of Time by Gabrielle Alpin and it's, really beautiful even just like that segment that they picked is good too but the whole song is good um yeah it's just it's so good um and then yeah i uh, it just i think that may be the most (laughs) gift teen wolf moment it's so tender i also want to make a note about like the sort of costuming and the way that like her mom has put up her hair everything about it is sort of soft and almost maternal Mm-hmm. she's wearing like a high collared shirt there's nothing like sort of like this isn't sexy Lydia no she's I mean it, and it's blue too which has like mm, a billion yeah significancies but yeah yeah it's, um, it's and all good. the the performance like after the kiss I think is so good because she's so confused and she's so panicked about what she just did yeah and she doesn't know what to say and but they're he's just crying like, yeah he's crying and they're just sort of like oh that's crazy uh, you should go to see the guidance counselor, which is what brings them to Morel's office where they figure out the, uh, the nematon thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so good. I, uh, now that we're kind of talking about that, we can sort of move into the other ship of this episode, which is Alisac. Mm. Um, 
these are also characters who are void of power um, in a far more interesting way because I think that they both feel that they are betrayed by Chris. Yeah, uh, the this is not really given any weight because uh, that scene just has to give way to Jennifer showing up and mm-hmm. her taking him. But the fact that Chris like tases Isaac yeah. with his little industrial-sized taser. He truly cannot find a father figure who doesn't <laughs> hurt him. No, it's it's tragic and very traumatizing, um, but the show doesn't care about Isaac's trauma, as we've discussed. No. Um, and so, like, to have that moment, and especially because eventually, like, we know that they run off to Paris together to, like, be father and son. Um, yeah. In that particular moment when he incapacitates him in like the most brutal way. Mm-hmm. So harmful. Yeah. And he handcuffs his daughter to something. Uh, the grate of the bank vault. Okay. I was thinking that it was a pole and I was like, why would there be a pole? Just, just, I mean, just random there. pipes in mm-hmm. buildings. Yeah. Uh, and I think Allison in particular feels betrayed because she finally feels like she gets to work on somewhat equal footing with her dad at this point. finally feels like he has given her the last of what he's been hiding from her. Mm -hmm. You know? She finally feels like it's all out in the open and then, no. 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 (laughs) No. Nope. Uh, And also him leaving means that she has lost both of her parents. And all, all three of the kids whose parents are taken are effectively would effectively be orphaned in that moment. Like yeah. Scott has a dad, but he is, he is nothing. <laughs> his entire character is being an asshole, but also like a little hot. Just like, <laughs> just mm, a, a little, smidge. just mm, that actor. I don't know what his name is. Yeah. He looks, he's like the cowboy version of Matthew McConaughey. Isn't um, Matthew McConaughey the no, cowboy Matthew version? Matthew McConaughey of... is the surfer version of Matthew McConaughey. All right. Whatever. Um, yeah, so they would all effectively be orphaned. And for um, Allison, who has so recently lost her mother, mm-hmm. to watch her dad be taken from her, like, before her eyes. Yeah. Horrifying. Yeah. Um, there, this is interesting, though, because this scene comes off of Isaac having what I think is the most power he has in this this episode and maybe even the series. Uh, he, at the beginning of this episode berates Derek for his negligence. Uh, rightly so, because Derek sucks and is the reason we're all in this big fat mess. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's kind of brilliant because at the beginning of the season, we see Derek sort of use Isaac's weaknesses against him to kick him out of the house. Mm-hmm. You know, and he throws the glass at him and makes him feel less than and like Quinn points exact weaknesses, which is why it's kind of so brilliant to watch Isaac come back and do the same thing to Derek because he like picks apart Derek's pathetic fucking life. He's like, were you bored? Were you lonely? That's not good enough reason. And I'm like, yeah, Isaac, not get it. Get it. Um, Daniel Sharman has a, was having a real hard time staying American in that moment. But other than that, it was really good. And it's so interesting to see Isaac all of a sudden claim power, like status in a room, which he never does. He's always hunched over. He's always behind Scott, you know, mm-hmm. to stand up to Derek and then immediately get the rug ripped out of <laughs> under him in the, mo- in the mo- next moment we see him. Well, what I think is very interesting about that scene is Peter's comment on it when he says that he's, j- Isaac is just preparing to leave you. Yeah. Essentially. And that is kind of one of the most, that's the most power you can have in an abusive situation 
is to leave that person. Mm -hmm. Um, and to be able to tell them exactly how you feel about them. Yeah. Uh, and he is, and that's like our official confirmation that he's going to go over to Scott. Yeah. And Derek has. But he already no had. One. Like He already, had, we, it was like, just a confirmation. This, yeah, this is just, this is, at this point, it's just about filling out the paperwork. <laughs> so Derek has no one except for Peter, and Peter doesn't count because Peter's trying to destroy everyone's life all the time. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. It's a really beautiful moment. People, the people we have wanted to get emotional beats from mm-hmm. in the, in past episodes get them. Yeah. Yes, finally. Should we talk about Derek? He has sort of the most literal transition of power. Mm-hmm. Peter uh, is beautifully manipulative, but also right in that this was definitely Jennifer's plan all along, that the only thing that was going to be able to save Cora was Derek no longer being an alpha. Yeah, and I think you can... I, I don't know if this is just like superb acting on Ian's Bowen on Ian Bowen's part where he's like trying to make Peter look concerned. But I do think that like Peter is conflicted in telling Derek to do that because obviously it gives him an advantage, but Peter can't be powerful. Peter can't rule over Beacon Hills if Jennifer destroys it. Mm -hmm. So if he loses Derek as like an ally or as a person who can support him. And I think the implications that he's still like recovering from being dead. Yeah. So it is a, a toss up as to whether or not this works in his favor. Uh huh. It is interesting to me though, that he has kind of decided, which like I probably, if one of my siblings was dying, I would do this too, where he's like, I will be no help unless I can do something Mm -hmm. to save Cora, which I mean, yeah, he, what, what is he going to do? What is he going to go out there and help Scott with? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And Um. so he, literally transfers the, the the remaining thing that protects him from the alphas and from Jennifer uh, to Cora to save her, which is actually great because just after that, Morel uses her last bit of power to tell Kali that it was Deucalion that killed Ennis, saving Derek in that moment. Yep, good for her. Uh, Morel I- also willingly giving up her life. She gets shot through the heart with her cane. Was it her heart or was it her shoulder? I, I assume that that stuff is shoulder. I also feel like if uh, it was, she was really dying, Scott would have like carried her back to her brother. Yeah. When um, Deaton rolls up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I also, this is kind of a cool, not a cool, but like a fun full circle moment for Derek because there was no way that he could have saved Paige. Mm-hmm. but he can save Cora. Yeah, you're right. And he gives up the one thing Yeah, that can do. And like, ugh, unfortunately they have trying to, they have been trying to get Derek to become like a human person and to atone for uh, his sins this entire season. And none of it really works. No. From an, like a viewer standpoint. No. Except for maybe this. Maybe. Because he just says like, I don't, he literally, he's just like, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care anymore. Meanwhile, Peter's in the background like, I'm the alpha now. So. Oh, like, I'm, I'm, the, yeah. I'm the captain now. Like, yeah. Mr. Burns, steeple fingers, the yeah, excellent. excellent. Yeah. Um. <laughs> that has to be the first time we've ever brought up The Simpsons on this show, and that's actually shocking. I, yeah, I love The Simpsons, man. They, oh. Although, I always, I feel like The Simpsons become less and less relevant every year, which kind of bums me out, because... One, why are they still going? But two, well, so it's also just not as good. <laughs> no, well, that's that's the problem is that it keeps going. It's not as funny. But 
man. Yeah. The first like 10 seasons of The Simpsons is peak <laughs> television. I, me, I think me and my sister quote Lisa on ice back at each other all of the time. It's so Me fail English? Funny. That's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> That's me on this show. Me fail English? That's impossible. Um, God. Anyway, quick, quick tangent. Um, yeah, I, I just, I think this is great because Derek gives up his power and Peter is standing just close enough to pick it up. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to talk a little bit before we get to the final, before we get to the sort of final scene, I want to talk a little bit about the sacrifices. Um, I, you know why this episode is good? Hmm. Jennifer's not in it. Uh, she has like one annoying line. And I actually wrote down in my notes that I like her in this. I hate her less in this episode because she has nothing to do. Um, Like, if she had just remained, if she had not had all of those, like, terrible monologues in the hospital, and once again, like, whose fault is it? Who's to say? But I, if you had just made her... It's a zesty (laughs) one-two punch of writers and actor. Yeah, if... I, I don't know what was missing, but like you needed her to be more evil or like more femme fatale in like a se- I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There was like something in this particular episode where she was talking to Chris and she was just like commenting on his name. And I was like, if she had only done that, just this little snarky. Well, yeah, she, I would she, hate her she's way less. the one who's like, it's not the metal that kills werewolves, it's the family, the Argents, which is like. Hermody. <laughs> Dean Wolf, we get it. We understand. Oh my God. So heavy handed. Um, but I did want to talk about the sacrifices. One, because they have, I mean, we're talking about like, oh, Styles and Isaac have no power. These people are tied to posts in a basement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Literally no power. Um, but this is kind of where like the power of information comes through, where we get this really sort of brilliant moment um, from the sheriff where he kind of like levels up and being able to be like, I can recognize the places in my life where I knew that there was supernatural beings, but I like couldn't let myself believe it and reveals what has to be one of the most heartbreaking pieces of information in this entire show. And that is that styles was 10 year old styles was alone with his mother when she died. I have massive questions about that. It is very touching. It is very sad. Linda Nashby does an incredible job. Why was 10-year-old Styles alone in the hospital? Probably with Mrs. McCall. I guess. I guess. I just, it just seems, I don't know. It just, it bothers me. Mm-hmm. It bothers me. For the same reason that it bothered me uh, where Deaton was like, I'll take Styles. There are forms. Yeah. There's like next of kin. Yeah, there's like, <laughs> like not. Who to call in an emergency. Yeah. Their godparent. Like, but anyway. But Styles might not literally, like literally might not have that. He has nothing anyway no that is um a lot to take in yeah and what it does one this is really good because it sets up styles what happens to styles in the next season so well like Mm -hmm. that is a very important piece of his trauma that gets used against him by the um uh the nugitsune Glad you remembered that because I was about to be like, what's it called? No, I got you. I got you. Three B is so good. Uh, a very important piece of trauma that the Nuggets today ends up using against him and to thread it through this was so good. And it also kind of this marks a transition from how actually this marked the transition from where Sheriff is just sort of actually a hindrance mm-hmm. on some of their uh, misadventures to now being able to be an active participant. 
which is good. We love when the parents participate. We do. Okay, we need to talk about the final transfer of power, and that is one of the best scenes in Teen Wolf, which is when Isaac, no, Allison, Scott, and Styles take the place of their parents' sort of sacrificial blood and have to momentarily die by being drowned by Isaac, uh, Deaton, and Lydia. They're in these giant tubs. It's so beautiful. It's so sad. Um, we There's get, like oh. leaves in there. Um, I'm sure it's like herbs. It's, yeah, for the Celtic, the Druids. Um, there's slow-mo. It's really beautifully scored. It's not like a recognizable piece of music, at least not to me. No, no, it's 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 generic Teen Wolf scoring. Yeah. Which, by the way, like, going back, there was, like, scoring underneath Linda Nashby's monologue, and I was like, get out of there! I know exactly how I'm supposed to feel right now. I do not want the music. Yeah. Um, but you're right, no, the music was really effective, especially in the part where they get pushed under and it goes silent. Mm-hmm. Oh, goosebumps. So good. And you don't even care that logistically... They would be flailing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's no no effing way that Lydia could hold down a grown man underwater. No, they'd need like several cinder blocks. Yeah. Um, it is so touching. And like the moments, moments before they step into it, they are talking about the talismans that they bring back, that they bring with them to tie them to their parents, which is uh, heart-wrenching. Yeah. Although... I will say that the watch seems kind of weird. It did not fit. It, no. If no. it had been like a her stethoscope or something. Yeah. Or like a blanket or some, something. Something. Something that she had given him, mm-hmm. I think would be more interesting. Like a, a, like a, you know, just a little present that I gave my son kind of thing would be interesting. Yeah. Um, and then the reveal that tall stranger FBI man who we we know because we have seen, seen it, it yeah. um is Scott's, Scott's dad. dad which styles absolutely no tact that you <laughs> wait till you're in the tub to be like oh by the way your deadbeat dad's here so <laughs> if you make it out of here you're gonna have to deal with that which um, uh, um yeah there was a better time to have that conversation yeah but like any time that wasn't right then. <laughs> but the drama. But the drama of revealing that that was Scott's dad. Mm-hmm. It's funny because when I was sitting there, I didn't realize. That, that we didn't know. That we didn't know. Also, at the beginning when Raphael is like, is your dad drinking again? I was like, are you drinking again, <laughs> Raphael? Isn't the whole deal that you had to get kicked out of your house because you were a fucking idiot? Like, and pushed your son down the stairs? Yeah. A hypocrite, if I ever saw trauma, one. Trauma, trauma. Um, well, and it, no, <laughs> nobody can have a go- good two parents in this show. No, that's illegal. Annoying. Um, what I find very effective, um, in the introduction of Raphael, not talking about the last scene, but he, when he comes in, he's like, oh, I'm not surprised that it's us, Delinsky, mm-hmm. with the implication that he has beef with the sheriff. I know. Which turns out to be true. Yeah. In, um, 3B, but just like, what a lovely little... Crumb yeah, to drop yeah. in there for us. Um, but yeah, obviously this this the dunk tank scene, uh, as I have scene. dubbed it, maybe inappropriately, <laughs> I don't know, is obviously the the biggest surrender of power is one basically being like, uh, this could kill me. Mm-hmm. Um, if uh, for realsies, this kills me. You know, it reminds me of. Um, I know that this is like the 
Nobody likes hearing this, but it reminds me of Harry Potter. <laughs> I knew I knew it. It just it stinks to have to bring it up right now. It does. It hurts. Yeah. It I have there is nothing I can add to the discourse. No, except um, for eat shit, JK Rowling. <laughs> uh yeah. Yeah. Um uh but yeah, when he has to make the decision to go and when he's given the information from the memories and Mm -hmm. has to go in the woods and just let Voldemort kill him. Which is one of those things where it's like baffling to me how when you ask people, Harry is never people's favorite character. And he's literally your favorite character. Yes. Also. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Also, he's Jesus, but that's a whole different thing. So he's your favorite character (laughs) because you're like a church person. That's ridiculous. No, Um, no, Harry, Harry is my favorite person because he rises above abuse and, um, like PTSD and becomes a lovely, wonderful. He becomes human a cop. Being. He becomes a wizard cop. I don't accept the ending. Okay. I don't. I don't accept the epilogue. Anyway, my it's whole fake. my sh- my whole point here was that <laughs> the sort of uh, the willingness to die for a cause is um, incredible and an incredible thing to ask seventeen year olds to do, um, and. It, it leads for one of the most sort of beautifully sad scenes. Um, we know they make it out, so I think that's why it's easier to be like, it's wonderful. That's I think beautiful. that if we were watching the first first time, I'd be like, oh my God, what if like Allison doesn't wake up only to, you know, later know that <clears throat> she doesn't. But this particular choice also stands in direct contrast to an exchange that Scott has with Deucalion mm-hmm. earlier in the episode where I don't understand the logic process in his mind um but you know he says that i'll kill anyone who stands in my way yeah i know i understand logistically why i just think he's evil no 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 but like right before that he's like she concerns me if she's willing to kill so many innocent people because that makes her powerful well i I actually just think that he is like i'm a rare breed (laughs) which i think like also like think consider this innocent people don't get in deucalion's way that's true it's not civilians. It's like other werewolves who he has beef with. So like, are they innocent? Maybe, but like, you know, English teacher number four is not getting in Deucalion's way. Yeah. I think that he's sort of um, like utilitarian with his kills. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, um, I'm about to bring it back to Highlander. I'm so sorry, but it's <laughs> okay. Go ahead. <laughs> well, no. So the whole point in Highlander is that there are these immortals and they have to kill each other by chopping off one another's heads to like win the prize. And you're not sure what the prize is until the end of the movie. What's the prize? Um, the prize is that you become mortal. Oh, which is very touching, like within the context of the story. Okay. Um, and also I think that he can like hear the thoughts of all the people in the world, which does not seem it's, Ugh, it's I don't want to know. Yeah. It's very Edward Cullen, but also kind of undefined. So you're not sure about it, but like the Kurgan is the villain mm-hmm. in the story and he's the person that comes to like the, the final blows and there can be only one, but it's not like he walks around murdering people. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's terrifying and he loves to scare nuns, but it's not like he just, you know, chops random people's heads off with a broadsword. Yeah. He's doing it to be the only one. Like Deucalion. Yeah. 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 Um, I think that kind of wraps up our discussion on the on the main the main plot. Mm-hmm. Do you have Q's and O's? Um, probably. Oh, okay. <clears throat> I feel like we have to talk about this because um we've talked we've talked about race on Teen Wolf before or the Rewolf before. Talking about Danielle? 
talking about Danielle. I do love her. Love her. Why is she not a mainstay? Why they could have so easily put her into the pack. No, they could have easily made her a Danny type. Or yeah, or who like gets absorbed into the pack because that would have been good. But yeah, why doesn't she get to stick around? Why doesn't she get to be one of like the other main players at school? Yeah. Um, not in like them. She's not fighting evil with them, but like she does get to have Danny one-liners. I think that would be nice. Yeah. Instead of like that one scene. Yeah. Where she's just being, I, I feel like the direction was be sassy. Like, yeah, unfortunately. Um, well, I'm also trying to remember if she was one of the ones to win the contest to be on the show. Interesting. Um, Listeners, if you know. I think that's the case. Uh, Listeners, if you know. I just remember that being a thing and then somebody being like, oh, it's that girl. Which, that is a crazy thing that Teen Wolf did. (laughs) It's really early. Teen Wolf was like the only thing that MTV was like, (laughs) could market and still needed like crazy weird financial backing. They did that on America's Next Top Model. Like sometimes the challenge would be like an acting challenge and like the reward for the act for the challenge. If you want, it was to like have a, a two line spot on like a CW show. Yeah. But this was for like the general yeah. population. <laughs> yeah. Not um, America's next top model. I love America's next top model. Who it is the most doesn't. bingeable show. I swear to God. It is legitimately awful. And I love it. Oh, garbage. Uh, yeah. No, I just wish that Danielle, um, not even maybe not even Danielle specifically, but I just feel like there have been so many instances of like the random black girl who gets to come in and say a significant line yeah. and never to be seen or heard from again. Yeah. Which is so frustrating. Especially if Styles is like, oh, you're Heather's best friend. Uh, yeah, we, one, we haven't heard Heather's name in episodes, so mm-hmm. that's crazy that we all of a sudden have to re-remember that trauma. Uh, and two, that means she should, she's around. Styles would know her better, probably. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Also, okay, um, Morel? Yeah. Guidance counselor. When I think of guidance counselor from high school, I think of 83-year-old Mr. Monty. Uh, I think of somebody being like, I think that college is out of reach for you. <laughs> also, do, can you take second lunch instead of first lunch this semester? And me being like, um, okay. Like, yeah. it's there's no there's no psychological services in <laughs> American public high school so far as I know. It's not grief counseling three times a week. No. As no. implied. There was only ever grief counseling if there was a death at my school, which happened more frequently than you'd think. Uh, that never happened to me, surprisingly. Oh, interesting. Not mm. while I was in school there, anyway. Um, I don't believe I have any questions. Do you have questions? Okay, how have Melissa and Chris never met before? Oh, that's ridiculous. Or exchanged anything. Their kids were dating. They were dating. She certainly met, what's her face? Victoria? Thank you. I yep. always want to say Veronica. Isabel was what was stuck in my head no. for some reason. I don't know. Allison's mom. Allison's ma'am. Yeah. Um, with the red hair. You just have to assume they've met. Like, come on. There's no way. Yeah. There's literally no way. No way. That was my only question, which was mostly not a question. Mostly just like, Teen Wolf, come on. Use your come noodle. Come on. Um, do you have any obs? Yeah, I do. Um, okay, I love that there's consequences to the fact that they're going to die, and then Deaton has to go and ruin it by being like, you're giving power back to the Nemeton, and Beacon Hills will be a beacon for the supernatural. And you're like, I already knew that. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of those Teen Wolfisms where I'm like, uh-huh. Like, Sunnydale is at the Hellmouth. We don't need any more explanation as yeah. to why. Yeah. 
crazy people come to town. Come on. Um, there's also a really huge, like, on the nose when Raphael picks up A Tale of Two Cities from Scott's floor. <laughs> Again, again, I do have to, I sometimes have to sit here and be like, you're right. Teen Wolf isn't for me. It is for high schoolers who maybe might need a little bit of guidance, uh, on that front. Um, but Mm I, uh, am just like, yeah, I know I'm smarter than that Teen Wolf. (laughs) Um, I liked the sexy weapons montage at the beginning. Allison looks great throughout the whole thing. Okay. Her costuming, particularly when she goes in the dunk tank and her little slip. Yeah. Just Mm -hmm. it's it's sort of just like a skater dress and it's kind of great because she's so pale and it's like black and the way the lighting works. And then especially when they come out wet on the other side in the next episode, it, the way that it hangs is just like, it's perfect. Yeah. Yes. Um, and then, oh, I really loved the exchange between Lydia and her mom about how she doesn't need to cover up this the bruising on her neck because she survived. Yeah. Also, that mom would not put her daughter in Eichen House. I have no idea what season no, five she was wouldn't. doing. Isn't her name Natalie? Sure. <laughs> what are you Linda Nashby's real life wife. Yes, I did know that. We love a connection. I know. Um, what are your observations? Um, I don't have a lot because I covered a lot of them in the discussion. I do love the sort of sexy Allison Isaac moment in the bank. Should not be very sexy, but like there's a lot of tension there when he like pulls, he breaks the handcuffs yeah. off. Yeah. No, sexy. It is. Um, and then again, their little moment where Scott's like, it's okay. God, I just wish that they could have actually had a full relationship in the next season. They sort of just have a flirtation. Which I guess. Yeah. I suppose. I think it would have felt wrong, particularly if they went into the season knowing that, that Allison was, was going to die. die. You're right. To right. put her in, into that situation. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have anything else for my obs. What about you? Your obs. I was trying to think about it. Um, no, I just, oh, there was one shot that I thought was really, really beautiful after, um, the Stidia kiss when it's just in them silhouette. in silhouette. Ugh. So beautiful. Also, PSA, if someone is stabbed with something, don't take it out. They will bleed to death. We learned that the hard way with Steve Irwin. And also, um, every hospital show of all time. That true. I just am pretty sad about the crocodile. There's like a horrific Grey's Anatomy episode where like two people are stuck together on a pole. It's just the worst thing you could think of. It is crazy how much I love doctor shows and have absolutely no interest in watching Grey's Anatomy. It is horrible. Yeah, I'm sure. Like up to season five, whatever. But beyond that, once you get to the plane crash, you know, you're like the shark jumped out of the tank rolled into the street was run over by a truck like yeah. horrible yeah um uh pack stats did you write them down i did i did um very low that's fine on by me. the pack stats we had two eyes one claws very sexy isaac like walks up to the doorway it's like i'm getting very good, good at these oh, isaac had such a good episode he really did um no shirts no ads and as of right now no sirens wow okay you said this when we had just finished the episode. Very important that Styles and Scott had shirts on when they went into the, the tubs. It would have been so gratuitous and weird <laughs> if it was like, but also they have abs, you know? Yeah, well, and I think that's also part of what makes it so effective when they come out 
of the water later because it's really hot, but two <laughs> wet t-shirt contest yeah. for the Teen Wolf cast. Yeah, but it, it like really, emph- I think it emphasizes like the discomfort yeah, and well, the, the the chill. And mm-hmm. that's what I was kind of saying with Allison's dress earlier. Like she's yeah. so exposed and her she's soaking wet. Yeah, I think that that is good. Although the fact that they're wearing full pants doesn't make a lot of sense to me. No, I feel like I would forgo the pants. Yeah. Um, they take your shoes off though, so that's fine. <laughs> Pants are just heavy. There man. is a there is a foot <laughs> shot, which I was like, oh god, no! It was a little gratuitous. It's I'm not gonna yucky. lie. I'm just like, who who working on this was like mm, feet? I mean, who at was least it? She who was, was like it, Teen Wolf. Well over eighteen, because otherwise, that's fair. Gross. I guess. Um. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Do you have an alpha of the week? <laughs> I never think about this before we start recording, and I wrote it down a few minutes ago. And um, it's such an ensemble effort. Yeah. Um, if you had, if you, who would you give it to? I'm curious. If you had to. Uh. Deaton, maybe. He does show maybe up to Morel, save the day. Actually, the 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 siblings. Yeah. The. Can I just Although, give it- um, is she married? No, that's sorry. Really quickly, because they say her first name is Marin, yeah, and her last name is Morel, but his last name is Deaton, and they're re- I'm confused. They're siblings, yeah, or are they not siblings? I don't or know. Or <laughs> they could just be step siblings. They could be. Yeah, my sister and I don't have the same last name. Yeah. You're right. Why am I so dumb? Yeah, <laughs> you are. <laughs> uh, I also I don't know maybe. I- Mm, I'll, I'll give it to Isaac just for handing Derek's ass to him because Derek really deserved it. So Isaac gets, Isaac gets partial credit on Alpha of the Week. Uh, yeah, I think I would give mine to um, Deaton and also Peter. I love a scheme. I love a scheme too. Yeah. I think that about wraps it up. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Teen Wolf Ray Wolf. If you did, we hope you leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever so new people can find us. Uh, if you want to get more involved, you guys can join our Facebook group, which is just Teen Wolf Real Podcast. Just search it. You'll find it. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at Teen Wolf underscore Rewolf, which is also our Instagram handle. We're on t- Tumblr at Teen Wolf Rewolf. Um, you can find all of our personal socials from there if you feel like stalking us. Uh, other than that, we hope you guys have a wolf of a week. Uh, woo!